Welcome to the ISA's Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. We provide full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners to keep you up to date with new developments in arboriculture. Today's talk is by Ian Shears. Ian's horticultural career spans over 20 years. He has been managing the city of Melbourne, Australia's tree population as a team leader of tree planting for the past 10 years. He is currently a manager of urban landscapes, heading a branch that oversees parks, tree planting, and water-sensitive urban design. This podcast features his talk on urban forestry in the city of Melbourne. This talk was originally presented at the ISA International Conference in Parramatta, Australia in July 2011. Just to, to clarify, the slide actually re refers to the urban forest strategy for the city of Melbourne. And the, uh, the, the tagline, if you like, is, is turning a grey city green. And, and what I want to really communicate to everybody with regard to that tagline is that, that not that the city of Melbourne isn't green to start with, although it doesn't have trees, but really what we're starting to think about is moving from a, a city which is designed and built with a grey infrastructure perspective to one which is thinking about looking at having a, a green infrastructure perspective. So having a look at the city of Melbourne, um, uh, whilst it doesn't have the, the, the beauty of the harbour really adjacent next to it, we do have... Um, the Yarra River, which is a, a beautiful colour of, uh, of brown, very famous around the world, and then the, the Docklands. But you can see in the foreground some of the parkland, which forms the sort of the, the eastern sort of connection of, of parks and, and some of the sporting grounds in the, in the foreground, the MCG, that you may have heard of. And what I wanted, to, I guess, to sort of indicate here too is that, is that some of the, the ways in which we're thinking about trees now are really starting to respond to not only climate change, but also growth and densification of our urban areas. And, and case in point is that these sports grounds that have been built in the foregrounds here are, are basically have been done on what was public open space. So that we're, we're losing the green infrastructure of our cities through a lot of different pressures. And, and what is remaining, and especially the, the streetscapes as well as the parks, are becoming increasingly important for us in terms of how we go about managing the space. In terms of where we're at with regard to our trees, and, and certainly, you know, Karen's given us a really good insight into to what happens when you have that end of a lifetime of, of one particular planting of trees. And, and in Melbourne, it's no different. We've got a lot of trees, and in particular our elms and our plane trees that were, were planted, you know, in some cases 120, 130 years ago. They're all starting to come to the end of their natural lifespan. And, and these trees are incredibly important for us. They're, they're, the elms in particular uh, are iconic, and, and, and we know that around the world, in Europe and in America, we've had Dutch elm disease come through and wipe out. But we've got 
I think 65,000 trees within parks and streets in the city of Melbourne, 6,500 of those are elms that are all about 120, 130 years old. So, so that's something which is very much a part of the character of Melbourne and it's coming to the end of its life, its life scale. So if you have a look here, some of the, the forces that are acting on the point of time that we're at now with our management of our forest, we've had periods of drought, you can see the, the, the dark chocolate brown line, the intensification of drought over the last 10 to 15 years has been quite strong. We've had water restrictions which have changed the way we think about the use of potable water. And we've also got climate change coming in. So, so for us, we're at a, at a point where we're at the end of the generation of our urban forest and we're about to embark on the new forest for the future. So a lot of our thinking and our strategising is around what do we want that forest to be into the future and how can we change from where we are to the future. And, and, it's, and it's interesting, I was thinking this, this morning that, that about three years ago, City of Melbourne won, a, won an environmental award for a 60% reduction in potable water use. And, and it came at quite a cost. And, and the cost is in the health of our trees. And, and here, really just to give you a bit of a snapshot of where we're at, we've gone through and are in the process of undertaking use for life expectancy for the majority of our trees in a municipality. The plan that you see there indicates the, 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 the outcomes of looking at about 18,000 trees. And those trees are some of our key park trees, are those that you know, Melbourne, we're looking at Faulkner Park, Fitzroy Gardens, Carlton Gardens, some of our major boulevards and avenues. So we started with the, the most important and largest trees first. The wheel up there in terms of the colours gives you an indication that, that anything that's red is, is basically got about a one to five year tag on it. Anything that's yellow is six to 10 and pale blue is, is 11 to 20. So we're, we're really sort of having a look at the next 20 years and what the change is going to be. And what that is telling us that over 50% of the most important trees in the city of Melbourne aren't gonna be around within the next 20 years. So it's gonna be an absolutely enormous change and, and our challenge is how we go about responding to that change, taking the community on a journey to create what is gonna be the, the urban forest that we want for the city of Melbourne for the next 100, 150 years. Having a quick look at some of our specific locations and some of the challenges that we've got, this is our, our central business area. And there you can see that it's what, probably around 60 to 65% of the trees aren't going to be around in 20 years' time. The other challenges that we have in the CBD that 75% of the trees in there are, are London plane trees. And, and those are the tree that, that we thought from a, an urban tree perspective were almost bulletproof. But we know that the drought and the heat wave, the extremes that we had about two years ago, really just those trees took an absolute hammering. And, and We've got um, you know, emerging pest and disease issues and, and, and Sydney are not only generous in offering us their fig trees, but they're also offering us things like sycamore lacebug, which is heading down from New South Wales into Victoria. And uh, you know, that, that has a potential impact, you know, the, the same extent that we deal with elm leaf beetle. So, so, and, and also I think you know, with, the, with the London plane trees, the, the associations with them being incredibly antisocial from a sort of an allergenic and, and, and a particle-borne perspective, I know that for, for about a 13-week period each summer in, in some of our major cafe streets, the outdoor cafes are almost sort of non-usable because of the amount of sort of frass and other things that those plane trees drop. So they're really quite a, a problematic tree. From a, from a vulnerability perspective, 75% of the trees in our CBD are one species. 
that's, you know, it's just not acceptable. So we're, we're really starting to think how we're going to get from where we are to where we want to be. And you can see there, those of you who know Melbourne, Collins Street is, is in really sort of, you know, in a bad way. We're going to be taking out a lot of trees and getting the new trees in is going to be a huge challenge for us. We've got some, some very sort of historic, this is our King's Domain area. You can see the Botanic Gardens down below, Government House and, and some of our, our sort of most iconic landscapes. You might have heard of the Tan Track that runs along the river and around the Botanic Gardens. Um, a lot of trees there, you can see a lot of red in there. St Kilda Road is probably one of our, has been one of our most important boulevards and you can see the, the colour image in the bottom left, that's what it looks like, it's the, it's the cathedral image, it's, you know, it's our Hyde Park with plane trees and elm trees and, and running along a major boulevard, there's about 550 trees that are under City of Melbourne jurisdiction and if you look at that, that chart up there, it's telling you that over 75% of those trees are really going to be gone within the next 10 or so years. The amount of change and how we manage that change is, is really what we're on about and, and it's going to be um, a very interesting one to, to work through the community. And this is through the King's Domain area and just to give you a bit of an indication along Alexandra Park, Alexandra Avenue and then around Linlithgow Avenue, that short section, the hook if you like around Linlithgow Avenue sits above our tan track and full canopy coverage with healthy trees is 75%. Once we take the trees out that are red and yellow, it'll be down to 7%. That, that change is really quite dramatic and the, the image which is from the 1950s bottom left, that's not going to be there anymore. The, the people that are running the tan track will be doing it in very hot weather and they could be running through a paddock. Faulkner Park, um, some of the changes that we've got coming up here uh, are also a challenge for us and you can see that, that shot on the left is that sort of main avenue that runs basically from the, the two corners, the top left down to the bottom right and that's elm trees there, that one's about to go. And, and that's, you know, really quite difficult for us. And when you look at the spatial layout of those trees within Faulkner Park, what you see is that we have sports fields surrounded by avenues of trees. You can't create the new avenue until you take the old one out. So in terms of an anticipatory planting to get canopies in there and growing, it's a bit of a challenge. You can see that there's a few sort of green spots in some of the corners where we've been getting as many trees in as we can, but we're still going to be very hard pushed to, uh, to get rid of that. But I guess to sort of jump to a, to, a, to a really bigger picture, in terms of what we're wanting to do, um, I think that we need to be incredibly sound in what our approach is. We currently have a tree policy which was written about 1997 and that was largely about, or thinking of trees about from a heritage or an amenity perspective. So our shift in response to the challenges that we've got, and they're listed up there, up in the top, things like urban heat island drought, densification, population growth, etc. We're wanting to set a vision there so that we're going to have a, a resilient, healthy, diverse forest for the future. But the motivation behind it is not purely to, to have nice trees lining a street. It's, it's about contributing to the health and the well-being of our, our community. And that we really sort of are going to be focusing on and realising that the environmental, social, economic, cultural, community health benefits are ones that are foremost in people's minds when they start to think about what we're wanting to achieve with, uh, with, with our forest of the future. So here are the, the key principles. So, you know, we're, we're all familiar with um, wanting to sort of go in and perhaps change species in a street and, and Melbourne is incredibly culturally strong and, and people love trees, they love their elm trees, they love their plane trees and, and so if we want to go in and perhaps change a species for whatever reason, we're, we're often reduced to 
having a, a debate, and often it's this sort of native versus exotic debate that we're all familiar with. And so what we're really hoping to do through these principles, principles is to elevate the discussion, elevate the debate, and the motivations that people are going to have there. So things like looking at mitigation of urban heat island is, is incredibly important for us, building a livable city, creating a water-sensitive city. You know, we, we know that we're going to have a lower water future, but we want to capture as much storm water as we can so that we can get as much water into the landscape to grow healthy trees and to transpire and to cool the urban environment. So we're, we're wanting to rethink the way that we, you know, typically have the grey infrastructure approaches to, to capture every drop of storm water that falls on the road pavement and put it out into the bay as quickly as possible through a pipe. We're wanting to change that thinking around. We're wanting to get the soil reservoir sort of recharged and, and keeping our trees alive and healthy and working really well. Having urban forest advocacy is an incredibly important sort of component of our work. So community engagement, creating a sense of ownership of the forest by the community to have the community understand that the forest that's on the private realm is just as important as the one that's on the, on the public realm. So I'll just run through a few of the, I guess, sort of challenges that we've got and some of the approaches that we're taking to, to get the, uh, to get the, the, the forest of the future up and going. And, and here you've got a, an aerial view of our river corridor. And, and what we've done is taken all of those useful life expectancies in terms of the colours and associated them via our GIS onto each tree that's in the landscape. So that the colours that you see there are the same ones that I've referred to previously. So you can see along that stretch of river there's a, a lot of red and a lot of yellow, which is really quite concerning. The other thing that's worth noting is that a lot of those trees are all in straight lines. So if you like, they're, they're trees that have reflected the roads perhaps rather than the river. Melbourne has, has often referred to as having turned its back on the river a long time ago. That's starting to change with Southbank, Fed Square, etc. And, and the creation of new parklands. This is Birrung Ma when it was first created, but you can see that the elms which run along the right-hand bank of the river are what were along Batman Avenue. We've got the, the elms of Speaker's Corner, which are heritage-listed trees, and, and then the open space. So our challenge is how to respond to the fact that all of these trees are about to die, but then it's also now about what do we put back. And, and we don't necessarily want to put back trees of the same species in exactly the same location because that's what was there, because it's not necessarily true. So part of our work at the moment is to, to go what was a Batman Avenue and you know linear planting to, to perhaps something which is a little bit more appropriate for the usage of today, the way we use the space, what that space represents, how those spaces contribute to the municipality as a whole, etc. So what we've done is to develop up a, a, a three-dimensional model of the river corridor. So what we've, we've, we've done is actually removed all of the trees out, put new trees back in, and associated those trees with their useful life expectancy. So this sort of slightly oblique aerial view looking down onto, onto Birrung Ma, you can see there that the red trees are all just about dead, the orange are about to go yellow within 10 years, so there's going to be massive change. So in, in terms of communicating those changes to the public, what we're doing is sort of setting up the model, and, and what we've got here is basically the tree loss that's going to occur according to their useful life expectancy. So you can see the gap starting to appear at 1 to 5, 6 to 10, the gaps are getting a little bit bigger, 11 to 20, there's starting to be some incredibly sort of stark change within the landscape. And those of you that have been down to Birrung Ma, that's an old granitic gravel, gravel surface down there, you know it already gets hot 
on a day when the sun's shining. So, so unless we actually actively start to get trees back in, we're going to be in all sorts of trouble. In 20 years' time, you're just not going to have a landscape there. So this is you know, some of the imagery which we're, we're using to, to communicate, and, and as you can see, it's really quite powerful. So what we're starting to, to look at doing is then have a staged replacement and removal process at the same time. And you can see there, if you look sort of beyond the Ferris wheel and around the back of the Circus Oz tents, you can see the trees that we've started to plant. And, and last, and I think about two, two, three months ago, we put about 300 new trees in the ground in Birangma so that we've got sort of year one planting. Year two, you can see we're actively starting to take trees out and get new trees in, and starting to also, in this conceptual model, change what that spatial layout of the space is going to be. In year five, you can already see that, that trees starting to get into the landscape have a, a significant contribution. We don't have to really wait 20 years for the new trees to get to a mature stage before they actually start to contribute significantly to the landscape. And so year 10, it's really starting to get a really good sense of size, dimension, scale to it, and transforming the landscape. So in 20 years' time, instead of having that stark, empty landscape that I showed you before, we've actually got a really significant contribution to the forest. And, and one of the ways in which we're, we're really wanting to respond to the fact that we know we're losing trees is to take the opportunities where we can to get new trees in. And while we can't really put new trees into, say, you know, a St Kilda Road area or some of the Faulkner Park avenues, we can get some plantings going in around the space, within spaces like Burung Ma, to respond to the change that's going to, to occur. And so there you can see that once that landscape grows in 20 years' time, it's making the equal contribution of some of our more mature landscapes in other spaces. You can see Fitzroy Treasury Gardens in, in the background there. So hopefully this sort of methodology in terms of communicating to the public will help partially in gaining their support for the, the amount of change that we need to go through. In terms of our own thinking, um, from, from an urban forest perspective, one of our key motivations is to start thinking of the forest from a, a canopy cover perspective. So instead of thinking about purely individual tree numbers, what we're starting to do is to, to map and to look at where we can increase canopy cover. And overseas research can indicate to us that if we can increase canopy cover by 10%, we can lower urban temperatures by 3 to 4 degrees C. So our thinking, our benchmarking around what we can do and where we can plant trees is motivated by that. So these two top graphs there are representative of a square meterage of canopy cover area. So this is St Kilda Road, and if you recall, I was saying that within um, 10 years, most of the trees were going to be gone and dead. The grey bars are representing the existing canopy coverage meterage those trees in St Kilda Road at the moment. So you can see that that decline very quickly is going to, to leave a huge gap. And I, and I guess what's the critical thing for us is this space in here. And you can see in these two, two graphs. So, so what that's really talking about is just saying that unless we start planting trees very soon, no matter what we do, for at least 20 years, some of our major landscapes are going to just not have trees and not have canopies. So there's not a great will we, we can do. In, in this, you can see that there's sort of a, a new down there. Because this is a boulevard planting, we don't have that opportunity to get new trees in. We have to wait for the other ones to come out or actively come out. Here, we tried to sort of look if we could push that a little bit further forward. The black line represents just replacing at 
the end of its normal or its useful life expectancy and us actually actively taking out. And that was, that was sort of planting, I think, 50 new trees or removal and planting of 50 new trees a year for the next 11 years. But we still can't do much about it. One of the other, I guess, sort of the, the, that sort of heritage versus the future, this is um, Alexandra Avenue, so along the, the, the tan track, that's the Botanic Gardens on the right. So this was the planting in, in 1901 for Federation. And you can see that it was a, a landscape that was incredibly linear. So we've got five rows of trees, which were silver poplars on the, on the right, then elms, then plains, then elms, then oaks. And, and the path on the left was originally designed for pedestrian movements. The, the next path you can see with the white line down the centre, um, really for, for, for cyclists, then horse carriage and then equestrian down the right with the tan, which is where the, the tan track got its name from. This is the landscape now and you can see that until very recently was a very healthy, thriving, green, vibrant landscape. Summer before last, you can see the devastation. You can see the change that's occurred there. But you can have a look. This, this, oh, I'm sorry, this pathway down through the centre was that original um, pedestrian pathway. You can see that that runs through barbecues now. We've got major sort of um, transits for, 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 for cyclists, etc. So that change is going to be interesting. The other, the other aspect that we're looking at is diversity within our tree population. And while these are slightly truncated, it gives you a bit of an idea. This is just looking at the age distribution within our trees. And you can see on the, on, on the bottom line here that 90% of our trees are over mature. That's 6,500, 10% of our trees are their major big elms. If you then convert that to canopy cover, it's greater than 10% of our canopy cover is by one species of trees and vulnerability. So we're heading towards the, the sort of the, the, the higher top in terms of that. Species diversity, we've, we've already sort of touched on, is another hugely important part for us. 10% of our trees are elms, another 10% are plains. We could lose 20% of our trees really quite easily. So vulnerability is really driving the thinking around here in terms of age and species and then also spatial diversity is really important for us. In terms of strategically working out where we want to put trees and what some of our motivations are, we've done, done thermal imaging to, to tell us where the hot spots are, where the cool spots are. So here if you look at the, the, the information down the bottom, basically if it's red it's really hot. So if you look on northern apron of the MCG or Etihad Stadium, it's really quite hot. Some of our streetscapes are really warm. We know Melbourne, Victoria suffered very badly from heatwave and bushfires relatively recently. In the four days leading up to the bushfires, there was more people dying from heat-related illnesses in Melbourne than there was in the bushfires. We've now got more people dying on an annual basis from heat-related illness as compared to the road toll in Victoria. We've got an ageing population we've got increasing temperatures, we've got extremes of weather coming up. So working out where it's hot, where it's cool, the role that trees play within the urban environment for that is incredibly important for us. And you can see this is a, a shot. If you look in the, in, in the background, you can see that the one tree significantly decreases the surface temperatures around there. And it has quite a widespread effect on the buildings adjacent to it, the walls of the building and, and below. So the contribution that trees are going to make to cooling the urban fabric are important. This is a, a plane tree that's in, in Russell Street. I refer to it as an accidental WSUD because it's kind of doing all the things that we want to do with trees in the future and that's worked with them quite smart. This space below here which now has artwork was an underground toilet previously. So this tree is now growing in a space where you've got a, a gravel filled void 
and it's probably got a good source of water down there. So it's doing all of the things that we want it to do. And you can see that it's a, a glorious big tree with a really good leaf area index and it's shading the street really well. So in terms of positioning streets and trees within streets to maximise the benefits, you can see here the graphic, it shows the existing and the tree that I just showed you the picture of is that one. 27% existing canopy cover. If we could just replicate that one tree another two times in the centre of the road, then, then we would get a significantly improved canopy cover. In residential streets, we're starting to use this to sell where we want to plant trees. On the right, we modelled um, new trees just replacing existing trees in the footpath, which would give us a 36% canopy cover. If we put a smaller number of trees in the roadway that are slightly larger, we get up to 55% canopy cover, plus we get to grow them in the road where they get WSUD. The use of porous asphalt is starting to, to really come into play so we can get water down into various spaces. The trees that we're putting into water-sensitive urban design pits are bigger, healthier, and through establishment requiring about 70% less water to go there, so we're getting a lot smarter about how we do it. Our stormwater harvesting here, Darling Street, below ground, we're capturing stormwater running down Gray and Gipps Street, which will give us a saving of about 24 megalitres of water per year, so decreasing our potable water, and we'll water for those that you know, Melbourne, Darling Square, Powlett Reserve, and also medians through East Melbourne, Fitzroy Gardens, where decreasing the size of the, the depot, putting in a five megalitre tank below ground, and that will give us, I think, about 77 megalitres of water per year, which is about half our requirement for Fitzroy and Treasury. Elm Street, you can see the grey existing trees, which are Eucalyptus Nicolae, which was not a smart tree to plant in a near, really narrow footpath. 7% existing canopy cover. Once we get all of these up, it goes up to about 82% transforming some of our landscape species change and also landform. You can see the swales. That on the left was Birdwood Avenue with Lombardi poplars that were planted in 1938. And we used the lemon-scented gums in Kings Park, which were planted in 1928, to suggest that that might be a slightly better way to go. And we've got, just a quick ad, we've got some community engagement coming up. And these are some images from San Francisco with their banner competition. We're about to have an art competition, which is going to go out to the community to, one, sort of, you know, um, celebrate the International Year of the Forest, but also coincide um, with the launch of the, the artwork when we go out with our, our urban forest strategy. And, and instead of banner poles, we're going to be sort of hopefully dressing up buildings facades, etc., with some of the, the winning artwork, which will be you know, a great thing to engage with the community and celebrate the sense of loss. But just to wrap up, what we're, as well as the, I suppose, the technical side of things, we're wanting to design spaces which are really good, really conducive for people that, that may be looking at it differently from how we put trees into a landscape to get a much better outcome. But I think bottom line, we really want to coexist with nature. We want to have our cities being within a forest rather than the forest being within the city. So thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I was wondering uh, you what your uh, thoughts are on using long-lived native uh, species instead of some of the exotics that are... Look, I guess in, there's, there's a couple of thoughts that are around that and, and, and in essence hopefully some of those higher principles, principles are going to give an indication that we really want trees to work very well in the landscape and in a sense it doesn't matter whether they come from Australia, from Mexico, from, from England or Siberia. If they're a really good tree that's going to be the bottom line. Biodiversity will come into it more. Um, shade quality I think is a really important thing and, and I think a, a really good healthy elm for example might give you a better quality of shade than a, than a 
thin canopied native eucalypt does. Um, we want to have as much transpiration going on, so we want trees to be sort of big pumps and, and do things like that. But diversity of age, species, spatial, etc., is, is, is probably one of the most important things. So we're going to have as many different species of trees as we can possibly get in. This concludes Ian Shear's talk on urban forestry in the city of Melbourne. If you would like to learn more about urban forestry, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store such as the book Planning the Urban Forest, Ecology, Economy, and Community Development. If you would like to receive CEUs for today's talk, the code for the quiz is SA2408. Again, SA2408. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country, trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques, whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.